thanks to God for his goodness and uh, respect and honor to my dear brother as we pray for him on the sick and shut-in list. And we pray that God's hands of healing be, will be upon him. Now, I saw these children standing here with their Christmas speech, and uh, I'm getting ready to give mine. So I hope you, you won't lose the ability of encouragement. Amen. Because as you know, we have 8 o'clock service. And uh, I got a few folks here. Stand up, family. My family. Hey. And uh, my, my baby boy, he's, he lived in Indianapolis. He just got married around Thanksgiving. In case you young fellas want to pass out a phone number, that ain't the one to go to. That's my daughter, Sydney Singleton. And uh, Dee, Deanna Singleton, my other daughter. I don't have no in-laws because in-laws are outlaws. So I, I just have, I just, <laughs> I just have children, amen. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. The Lord ain't saved me all the way yet. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, I want to read from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi and to us this morning as we celebrate our coming king. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, and concluding at verse 11, I'm reading from the NIV translation. Who being the very nature of God, did not God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in his appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at his name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I want to put a tag on this text on this Christmas Eve and talk about a backdoor divinity. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Eugene Peterson says that Christmas reminds us the activity of God that through the birth of Jesus, God pitched his tent and moved into our neighborhood and took residence in our own heart to enlarge the responsibility of all who would receive him. And since the beginning of time, God has always been straining to reconcile each of us back to him. 
it seems like with all of the tactics that are being used that men still put their hands up in the face of a loving God. The message of Christmas reminds us that God is not somewhere way off. God is not some grandfather image sitting in the sky twiddling his thumb disinterested in our lives. God is right here, very God. Through the personality and the presence of Jesus Christ, God Emmanuel is with us. When you read the Old Testament, you see these cameo appearances of God, do you not? You may not remember this, but early on in the life of the children of Israel, God's name was too holy to be uttered. So they didn't even call him by his name. They used consonants, and they called him Y-H-W-H. And after a while, they added some vowels to it, and they called him Yahweh. But God was still not close up. He was a God that was way off. And then you hear God speaking to his servant Abraham and saying to Abraham, get up from where you are, the place of familiarity, and go to a place that I'm going to show you. With no GPS system, Abraham gets up and journeys without a map. And we know that Abraham is faithful, and he is a man who is faithful. His name, nickname is Abraham, the father of the faithful. Here's, our, here's the reason why I know Abraham had faith. is because with no CVS or Walgreens, God told him at his old age, octogenarian, that you're going to have a baby. Have I got a witness? And he has the mitigated gall to foolishly believe God and say to his wife, girl, turn off the lights and light a candle because we're going to have us a baby. She laughed at this faithful Abraham, and through that lineage came Isaac, and his name means laughter where God reminds us that he is always the one that has the last laugh. But God was still way off. And then we see him implementing in the life of Moses, that great emancipator, that God, God calls Moses on the backside of the Midian desert and tells him to take off his shoes for the ground, Moses, that you're standing on is holy ground. And even Moses doesn't know who he is. He just simply said, now, Lord, now Lord I can't go down there to Egypt, and I even got your ID. What is your name and what do you want to be called? And God just simply said to him out of that voice that's uh, uh, billowing out from the bush, uh, just say that I am that I am. In other words, whatever you need, I am. If you need bread, I'm bread. If you need water in desert places, I'm water. If you need provisions, I'm provision. If you need a bridge over troubled waters, I'm that. God, through Moses, leads the children of Israel uh, through the Red Sea. And we still see these cameo appearances of God. He shows up first in a tent. And they're sojourning through the wilderness. And in their wilderness wanderings, they pitched a tent as a symbolic representation that this is the presence of God. And they move from the tent 
to the tabernacle. And in this tabernacle, have you read your Bible? In this tabernacle, there are the accoutrements of the Ten Commandments and the rod of Aaron and these cherubim angels. And they would carry the tabernacle around as a symbolism that God was in their presence. And in that, they would, in that, when they're in the wilderness, God would show up as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, representing his presence in them. This word's called Shekinah glory. Have you been to church and it got a little smoky sometimes? That's God's Shekinah glory. But God is still way off. He builds a tabernacle uh, through Solomon. And even in that tabernacle dwelling and the temple is built rather through Solomon. But even in tent and tabernacle and all of that, we still see that God is somewhere way off. And he says, how is it that I can get to my people? Because I want them to know me in an intimate kind of way. Where, where is the language barrier that I can get to my people? I see you looking, but you ain't listening. So let me see if I can help you right quick. I, uh, I, 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 I used to not be an animal lover, but I just had, I got a dog a couple of years ago, and his name is Bando. Bando is my man. Let me tell you something. Everybody can leave the house. As long as Bando stays, we're going to be all right. And I've noticed that Bando doesn't act like a human. He ain't sometimes. Every time he meets me at the door, he barks the same way. Roof, roof. It ain't roof, roof one day and rough, rough. <laughs> he meets me at the door. And, but although I know Bando loves me, he cannot utter out the words, I love you. And guess what? I can't speak dog either. But every now and then, it almost feels like I can hear him, I love you. But there's still a barrier between me and Bando. Have I got a witness? So when God says, I want you to know me, and I want me to know you in an intimate way, he's saying, I want to put you in a position that when you feel, I feel. When you cry, I cry. When you hurt, I hurt. When your tears are dripping down your face, I cry with you. So how is it that I can do it? I'm glad you asked. Jesus stepped out of his heavenly banquet table and undressed from his royal regal robe and redressed in the grabs of humanity and condescended down through 42 generations and landed not at the front door. He landed at the back door. I, I, I like that. I like that all by myself. That God is not a, a simply a God of the front door. God is a God of the back door. He could have showed up in a whole lot of places. He could have showed up at Rome, the center of political power and influence. He could have showed up at Athens, Greece, uh, where the opium of the people and they experienced the high intelligentsia. He, he could have showed up at Jerusalem where the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious community that would always be up here and stick their nose down on everybody else. But he doesn't show up there. He shows up in a cow's eating trough. Have I got a witness? I, I, I love the story of Christmas. That 
it reminds us of a God who says to you and I, I love you enough to come down to save you just where you are. Paul Sheraton says that the Bible is God's love letter to a world that he came to save. On every page, 777,692 words from Genesis to Revelations is God's reminder that I love you enough to come to where you are, to the back door of your life. Have I got a witness? I'm trying to say my little Easter speech or my little Christmas speech, so I need y'all to help me right quick. Why does Jesus show up at the back door? I'm, I'm glad you asked. He shows up at the back door because he wants to establish for us a new order. The Old Testament was the order of saying an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Martin King said, if you keep going eye for eye, tooth for tooth, all you're going to have is a world full of blind and toothless people. <laughs> you got to start loving somebody. And you got to start thinking beyond yourself. He says, I want to show you a love that runs from heart to heart and breast to breast. That's what the real gift of Christmas is, is that you and I have love one for another. You don't know what your neighbor is going through sitting right next to you. Folk may show up looking like everything is all right, but you don't have any idea of where somebody come from. Have I got a witness? Let me show you what I mean. My, my wife and I, we were in our favorite uh, breakfast joint, First Watch. That, that's our joint. That's the one we like to go to. Give me the French toast, you know. Eggs over medium with a glass of orange juice, like my brother would say. And we were in first watch, and uh, we walked by, we got ready to pay our bill, and we saw a young couple sitting there, young Latino couple. Four kids, young couple. And something in me saw them that registered to me that I used to be that young man. Four small kids in a restaurant trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the bill. And when everybody would order something, I would say, I can't get that now. <laughs> trying to figure out how I was, was going to do it. And Something in me, the Lord said to me, watch this. He said, pay that bill. I'm talking about the giving of Christmas. He said, pay that bill. Christmas is not what's under a tree. It's in your heart that God wants to give you love for somebody, not that you know, but somebody that you don't know. Now, now I ain't going to lie. I didn't immediately obey because I saw that gold chain around his wrist. And I saw that gold chain around his neck. I said, he can sell that and feed half a third ward. He don't need my money, God. I got to the door, and it was almost like a force just held me in and said, what did I say? And I said to my wife, pay that bill. You have your credit card? Pay it. How much is it? $70. It was $70. I gave a 15% tip because Nick Roll don't like to tip. You know, we just... 
was crying hysterically. And she was saying, who paid that bill? She said, they told us not to tell you. Just please, just let us know who did it. She said, you know, the older black couple, they come in here two or three times a week. Uh, they paid your bill. She said, she said ma'am, you don't know what we've been going through. You, you, you don't know that we were trying to figure out how we were going to do this because our children were sitting in the, in the hole in our home and they were hungry and I don't get paid till next week and my, my husband doesn't get paid the next week. We borrowed this money so that we could take our children to breakfast but now we got money in our pocket and full stomachs. You don't know what people are going through in your situation. You may have come from the back door but don't forget where you came from and go back and help somebody else that has a need that you used to have. He says, I want to establish a new order of you and I loving each other. Can I stay here one more time? Can I just feel like I need to press my point here? There are some people that's hard to love. Loving somebody that loves you, no problem. Loving somebody don't quite see it your way. I ain't got no problem with that. Everybody ain't going to agree with me. But loving somebody that you know lying on you and stabbing you in the back and got the hateration game in your direction. Now that's hard work. But the Spirit comes to remind us that God has showed us through Jesus Christ what real love is all about. That he turns our hard hearts toward loving each other. He says that's the new order that I want to give you as I come through this back door to love one another as I have loved you. But then secondly, that's something else and I'm almost done here. The back door reminds us that it's the only place that would bid him farewell, that would bid him a welcome. Everywhere that Jesus went, there was no room in it. Let me see if I can kind of peterize this so you can understand what I'm talking about. The story of Christmas is an interesting story, is it not? That God shows up in a dream, uh, and this woman Mary is not pregnant yet. He's engaged to be married. That word betrothed, it is that they are not yet married, but they engaged to be married. And there are certain steps that you have to have in those times when you got married. You had to go ask the daddy. Have I got a witness? You had to have some money in your pocket. You could be talking about we in love, we want to get married. Do you have some money to take care of? And then once you did that, you had to wait a whole year uh, to the engagement. And somehow, somewhere, in between the steps of the engagement, the Holy Spirit comes in and does what Joseph cannot do. I, I see you, you, you're looking, but you're not listening. So let me see if I can bring it a little closer to you. My, my son and daughter, they over there, they just got married. I wonder if he had came home before the wedding, have I got a witness? And she'd have said, congratulations, you're a daddy, but we ain't done nothing. Yeah, I know, before you, when you left the house, the Holy Spirit came by. (laughs) 
I don't know about you, but I would have been looking high and low for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I would have been saying, who in the world is the Holy Spirit? Because we got some talking to do. Because you're going to have all the pleasure and you're going to give me the responsibility. And in that moment, they have the baby, and there's no room. They go to the Sheraton Hotel, no vacancies. They say, well, we can't get to the Sheraton. We're going to move down, and we're going to go to the Quinta Inn. No, no, no room. Well, maybe we can't get to the Quinta Inn and the Sheraton. Maybe we'll go to the Palace Inn. Did I hit a nerve right there? I'm sorry. No, no room. Have I got a witness? And all of a sudden, guy said, well, I got a garage with some horses and cows and music, and you can use that for a minute. This is where Jesus lays his head. Come here for a minute. I love that about God. That there's no place in life that God can't identify with where you are. No place in life. And that is the story of Christmas for us this morning, that there is no place in life that God doesn't know where you are. And, if, and I would just say to you today, if, if you don't have room for the Lord in your life, something's wrong with you. Isn't it amazing how we can make space and time for everything else? But there's no room and there's no space and our heart for God. And something is really wrong with that. My, my mother used to tell me when I was young and I would go to the skating ring, she would say, now I don't care how much you party, boy, don't you make God pay for the party. And, and with the same enthusiasm that you had jumping up and down in the skate room, the Shalimar, when he was singing, make that move right now. Don't you come to church with your arms folded like you don't know Jesus because the same God that gave you the strength to party is the same God that woke you up this morning and you ought to have some room in your heart and in your life and in your space for God. Have I got a witness? Can I give you one last thing? Ralph told me not to be long. And, uh, and so I, I'm going to be as short and as interested as I can. Well, you, but that's something I should notice about this backdoor divinity that Jesus have done most of his ministry on the outside. Not, not on the inside. Not, not in these four walls. There are people who are in our community who are on the outside. And that's where real ministry is. Have I got a witness? Look at your neighbor and say it's on the outside. And, and God is not just a God that's in the White House. He's not a God that's in the governor's house, in the mayor's house. God is in your house. God is in the crack house. God is in the places of life where the poor play house. God is right there in the crevices of where there's hopelessness and despair. God is there. Look at your David said he's on the outside. Now here is where it's the last part of the sermon, uh, and it's going to be audience participation. Are y'all ready? 
I said everything that Jesus did, he did on the outside. He was born in a manger. And that was what? All right, you got it now. Y'all going to help me here? And when there was no room in the end, he stayed where? And at 12 years old, when he confounded the doctors and said to his mom and daddy, I got to be about my father's business. Well, was it on the and in baptism, when he was baptized by John, and he says, my shoes are too worthy to be unlatched. And in that moment, the father showed up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Guess where it happened at? You, you got it. And in the first miracle of, the, of Cana and Galilee, when the wine had run out, and the mama said, now Jesus going to hook us up. He said, mama, it ain't my time yet. And she kept after him. And he said, well, I don't usually do this, but let's keep the party going. Guess where it happened at? On the You got it. And then in Mark chapter 4, when the storm began to rise, Jesus ain't 12 years old no more. He's a grown man. And the storm began to rise. And the rain began to blow. And Jesus looked at everything and said, peace be still. And the water leaped up and licked his hand and laid down like a sleeping dog. And guess where it happened at? And then in Mark chapter 5, he was there in Gadara where a man was cutting himself and was looking crazy. He was a walking human holiday inn with 2,000 evil tenants running up and down the corridors of his soul. But Jesus gave him an eviction notice and all 5,000, all of them got up and went into a pig and committed suicide. Guess where it happened at? And in, and in name, when a woman had lost her son and was on their way to bury him at the funeral and the mortuary had already made him up, Jesus just touched the casket. And the man got up right there. The boy got up. Guess where it was? You, you got it. And then they had nerve enough when he went to the garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed, Lord, remove this bitter cup. The garden wasn't on the inside. It was on the and they nailed them to a cross. Nailed them to a cross. Stretched them wide and dropped them low. The earth began to reel and rock like a drunken man. And he hung his head in the locks of his shoulder. Guess where it was? And then they buried him in the grave. And it was the first time he didn't do ministry on the outside. He went down in the depths of hell to set the captive free. But Jesus said, I ain't going to stay here long because real ministry belongs on the outside. And early Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hand. Guess where he got up? You guessed it on the outside. But Jesus went inside to save you and me at the back door of our life. He saved us on the inside. And some of us, he didn't save us on the inside. Some of us, he saved us on the outside. Drinking a beer, gambling, whatever we was doing on the outside. God said, I'm going to save you on the outside and bring you back on the inside so that you and I now can go outside and save somebody else. If God got you from the back door, 
Don't look down your neighbor at nobody else. God saved you. But you can be a blessing to somebody else. And now we have a name that is above every name. And at his name, <laughs> every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world as a baby, like these little children who stood and gave their speech. Jesus, too, was once their age and grew to become the savior of the world. You and I don't know the possibilities that in our children or in all of us. But God meets us where we are. Then he lifts us to where we need to be and he places a crown of righteousness above our head. And dares us to grow tall enough to wear it. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. Come on, bless his name. I thank God that God found me in a little country house in an outhouse with an outhouse and a shotgun house in Marksville, Louisiana on Duzot Road. My grandmother said I was four years old and I used to stand there and the chickens was my congregation. And I said, can I get a witness? And they go, ah. I had no idea that I would be from that back door to where I am right now. The door of the Lord's house is open. Some of you are here. You're saying God can't use me. Yes, he can. It's not about your ability it's about your availability so that God can use you for his glory the gift of Christmas is that you show love to somebody else it's not about what gifts you have under your tree it's about giving love to somebody else who may find themselves less fortunate than what you are have I got a witness